Good morning, folks, and welcome to the Drop Zone. It is 6.30 in the morning where I am in Seattle, Washington. It is, I believe, 10.30 at night in Tokyo, Japan, where Sean Zock is reporting from the site of the Olympic Games. Sean, how are you? Hello from the future. It is me. <laughs> it is. You're right. It's, it's 10.30 uh, p.m., and so that... That's pretty late for my bedtime here. I get pretty tired as the evening rolls around, but uh, hopefully my low energy matches you as you are just waking up and kind of getting your energy flowing. Uh, we need it. Yeah, so you've already moved on to Tuesday, so there's just, what, a couple days until the Olympic Games <laughs> start in the golf world, right? Yeah, and like I think Patrick Reed is flying out tomorrow for both of us, but like... I don't, I don't, I'm having a hard time understanding when he's getting here. doesn't make sense yeah. to me. <laughs> if there's anyone that can time travel, it's Patrick Reed. The rules do not quite apply the same way to that guy. Um, it's been a, a big week, a big weekend, I should say, in the golf world. Minji Lee with a triumph coming from seven shots back to chase down uh, Zhang Yun Lee six in a playoff on the first hole of a playoff thanks to an absolutely sick iron shot that then put the pressure on her opponent who bladed one into the water, which was unfortunate. Um, and then Cameron Champ, after five missed cuts in a row, showed some form at the John Deere Classic two weeks ago and then uh, and then came out of, you know, not out of nowhere, but he hasn't had a top 25 until the John Deere Classic on the PGA Tour this season. And now he is, for the third time in his young career, a PGA Tour winner. Uh, so I think those were the two biggest things going on, Sean. You probably weren't super tuned into the uh, the American golf scene from where you were or the French golf scene in the case of the women's event. Is that right? No, not at all. I've been, I've been here in Japan now for like four days about. Um, what was kind of cool is like Beth Ann Nichols is covering the action for the women's event in France. And so... Like when I would just be scrolling Twitter, I'd see that she was just kind of awake earlier than most people. So I caught like mm -hmm. just a little bit of her updates as the golf started each day. And then uh, I would catch the updates as the PGA Tour kind of ended each day. So from what I gather, yeah, there was kind of a, a, a squirrely shot hit by Jong Un Lee six. Um, she also, it, it sounded like she kind of folded, didn't get to watch any of the golf. And then from the men's, it sounded like Cameron champ, like tried giving it away by pulling driver on 18, um, and didn't give it away, but it was interesting because he pulled driver. That's all I, that I heard about when it comes to, uh, golf across the rest of the world. Yeah. I think that that's a pretty good high level summary. Um, when it came to Minji Lee, I mean, it's tricky when you have scores that are this low because Minji Lee started the day seven shots back. She, she shot a final round of seven under par. Um, and Lee Six made five bogeys, I believe, on the front nine, which was definitely not good. But then she did birdie the last three holes to get into the playoff. So it was, you know, she kind of folded, but also rallied, but then unfortunately folded again in the playoff. Um, Yelimi No shot 67 in the final round. She was within one shot of the playoff, and on 18, she had 181 from just into the rough, 
and she laid up wow short par five so i think that was the most controversial decision she said her lie was just not quite good enough there's water guarding the green she did hit a wedge shot to about eight feet and uh and just missed that putt on the low side but that was the uh the shot to second guess and then on the men's side people were giving cameron champ a little bit of grief for pulling driver and when we say pulling driver on 18 he pulled it. He hit this thing 60 yards left into some thick, thick rough behind some trees. But I think he was kind of taking the philosophy of, you know, he's got a two-shot lead. Driver goes further than any other club, so you can just knock it down there and then you can hack it out and then get it on the green. And he uh, he did have to do like a double layup. So he laid up from the thick stuff. He laid up from there. And then he hit a gap wedge from 127 to about two feet. So wow. that was a door slammer. Let's talk about let's talk about the Olympics, because you have gone through some things just to get to Tokyo. Um, and I just want to buzz through from start to finish what that was like. So. Has it been, e- I mean, look, no one wants to hear media complaining about really anything. So I, I, I'm not trying to have you complain about anything, but I'm just curious about the process of getting to the Olympic Games um, and how strenuous that was. I don't, uh, I don't want to like say this uh, lightly. Uh, I, I think this is the most stressed out I've been in my entire life, which says I've lived wow. a, a pretty blessed life, but I was... At, at three, three or four different points, I thought I wasn't going to be able to be allowed to go to Japan. Basically, you have to get all kinds of approvals to go there right now. Japan, as a society, is has like 20% of its population uh, having like one shot of a vaccine. They've just been very slow to, to vaccinate their citizens. Um, and so with that said, they are they're inviting 11,000 athletes, 6,000 media members. They have, you know, probably some 15,000, something like that, uh, local volunteers. It's this gigantic circus. And so they're just trying to make sure that anyone who's here is not sick. And so I, I preface it by saying, like, I understand why these protocols are in place. But in order for you to go to Japan right now, you have to have two negative COVID tests, PCR tests. So like that's the kind of test that you get your nose swabbed and you don't get the results for a full day, maybe a day and a half. You have to have two of those inside of 96 hours of your departure flight for Japan. Now that means, okay, you need to kind of like do the the gymnastics of I get a test, I wait for 24 to 36 hours to get the results, then I get another test, then I have to wait another 24 to 36 hours to get the results, and then I have to have both of those results certified by the doctor from where I got it. And so I ran around Chicago. I went out to O'Hare and I got an expedited test. I went out to O'Hare to get the results certified. I went to this clinic in Chicago four different times to get my test taken and the results certified. That's just to get on the plane to go. Now you have to, 
once you arrive in Japan, you had to have your activity schedule. There's this activity plan of you asking the local government here, hey, can I go to this place and that place? And here's my hotel and that's the golf course. Here's the media center. Where else can I go? You have to get that approved. Mine still hasn't even been approved. (laughs) It's this weird thing that they got inundated with all kinds of activity plans, and they haven't actually been able to approve them through the health reporting site that they set up for the games. So that is why I was stressed out, is because I thought on Tuesday night, as the Milwaukee Bucks were winning their NBA Finals championship, I thought, Mm. okay, if the Japanese government isn't willing to have me, I'm going to fly to Tokyo, get off the plane, and they're going to tell me to turn around and go home. And that's sneaky what almost happened. (laughs) I... I got Uh-oh. yeah, I got there to to the uh, Haneda Airport in Tokyo, and the first like set of checkpoints. There's like a dozen checkpoints, but the first one they basically take your um your your pre valid credentials, what it's called, and they plug it in and say, okay, is this person ready? To is, do we have him approved? Are his locations approved? Mine were not. So they they came over to me and they said, okay, either you can agree to this 14-day quarantine in which you stay in your hotel for 14 days. You don't go to these locations. Or, you know, you can do that while we're figuring out where you can go. Or you can get on a plane and go back home right now. And so I had just been on a 13-hour flight, and I was like, I'm not going home right now. I accepted the temporary 14-day quarantine. It took about another full 48 hours to get my activity plan approved. So I'm kind of just toiling there in this tiny, tiny, teeny, tiny room wondering, is this going to be my Olympic experience? Am I just going to sit here in this room and stare out the window at this park, kind of like Rapunzel with no hair, just wondering what life is like outside these windows and walls? Um, And yeah, I was pretty sad there for about 48 hours. Um, Finally, after many phone calls, many emails, uh, my activity plan was approved by the organizing committee, not yet approved by the government. They said it's all good. You can just go to the golf course and the media center as much as you Mm -hmm. want. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm here, I guess I've been here for four going on five days now. And I think my body's finally accustomed to the travel, uh, the jet lag, but we'll see if by the end of this podcast, if I'm still awake because I'm pretty exhausted. That's right. Wow. Um, I don't even know where to, where to dive in here, but I guess first, like, what have you been doing? What were you doing in your hotel room for the (laughs) the first few days besides just reveling in your Milwaukee Bucks championship? Uh, yeah, I didn't really even get to appreciate the Bucks championship because the parade also kind of happened in the middle of the night over here. Um, what have I been doing? Well, I was doing a lot of reading. I was watching Succession on HBO. Uh, I did a, mm. I did one body weight workout and we have not done the second one yet. We're hoping to do that tomorrow. Uh, and I've kind of been, I mean, I covered the, the opening ceremony from my from my bed (laughs) you know I watched it and (laughs) I kept an eye out for the golfers Gabby Lopez was a flag bearer she's a Mexican female golfer you had uh I think it's Fabrizio Zanotti uh one of the most fun game names to say in golf he's a, a Paraguayan golfer he was also a flag bearer we had 
a couple other German golfers were at the opening ceremony. Um, just keeping my eyes out for, for all their action, what they were saying about it all. Then I went to the media center a couple different times. Um, and now I've been out to the golf course, had a really good walk around the golf course with Tommy Fleetwood and his caddy on Sunday, went back to the course today, which is Monday. Um, and we'll go back to the course, I think every single day for the next 11 days or so. All right. Well, tell me about that commute because it sounds like you're not exactly, you know, sometimes we, we are lucky enough to go to golf tournaments and basically stay on site or just a couple minutes away. What's going on with this one? Oh, it's, uh, I can't tell how, like how much of it is my own doing because I chose, I chose this hotel from a list of hotels that were, were approved housing, like the Olympics, uh, kind of in the influx zone. They're like, okay, crap, no Airbnbs for any of you media members. We need you guys staying in actual approved Olympic housing, which are just a bunch of three-star hotels. And so I get on a bus from my three-star hotel and it takes about 25 minutes to a half an hour to get to what is the main transit mall. And then I get on another bus that takes about 90 minutes to get up to the golf course. So it's about a two hour commute to the golf course each way. Um, that can be a lot wow. after you've st- after you've done it once in the morning and then you kind of get back and you're hungry and it's 6 PM. Um, and you need to make another two hour commute back home. Um, so that's, that's kind of brutal, but you, you also, the benefit for being so far away from the madness of Tokyo is that things are just a little bit quieter out at the course. Like I've been kind of walking inside the ropes without even necessarily having inside the ropes access. And, um, I've got a little bit better access to, to athletes than, than you would have, uh, if you were covering basketball or swimming or gymnastics or any of the other sports mm-hmm. over here. So it feels like a normal PGA tour event out there, uh, with no fans, obviously. Um, but it's good. I mean, there have been basically no American media out there, the entire time. And I think a couple will arrive tomorrow. Um, but it's kind of been my own little playground out there for two days, which has been nice. I just saw that Doug Ferguson posted a a story. I just, you know, flipped through it really quickly, but it sounds like, uh, the AP golf writer had a little bit of a, (laughs) of a trickier time even than you getting to Japan. So I think, I don't know if he, I think he's there now. Yeah, I I believe he has arrived. I believe he went to the media center today. That's what I feel bad about when you ask me for my own, uh, travel issues because I don't, I don't even think it even compares to what Dougie Ferguson had to go through. Doug, uh, screwed up the timing of his, you know, two tests within 96 hours, one test within 72 hours. He missed it by like 40 minutes. And so he flew to Tokyo and they said, you need to go back to the States, get another test, flew back to Seattle and then flew back to Tokyo. He's been basically in the air for 36 hours of flight time. Um, probably has slept some probably has slept really poorly. Mm -hmm. Um, I cannot wait to see him tomorrow and see what kind of mood he's in. Um, (laughs) but I, yeah, I mean, my travel doesn't even compare to his. And I think that's the thing though. This, this Olympics has been from the media perspective, at least very marred in like, were they ready for us? Should we, you know, everyone was talking about, Mm -hmm. should we have this Olympics? But I've been thinking about, 
like, could we host the Olympics? Can we host an Olympics right now during a pandemic where you're inviting um, dozens of thousands of people to a place and you want to keep them under control? I mean, we have a hard enough time controlling people um, in one country, let alone having everyone from all these other countries come to one singular city. Um, it, it doesn't all add up. And I think Tokyo as a, as a city is really running into that right now. All right, enough logistics talk. I want to hear about the <laughs> golf course and what the heck is going on. Uh, Kasuma Gaseki? Is that, yes. is that how you say this? There's a lot of vowels Kasuma and Gaseki consonants Country going on. Club. Yeah, this would be a it'd be a good Scrabble word. Probably too many letters. Um, architectural expert Bradley Klein had written a little bit about it. He'd compared it to Quail Hollow. Um, but you, after walking around, came to a slightly different conclusion or maybe no conclusion at all. Uh, but what is the golf course like? Yeah, uh, I think the thing that people really want to talk about are the, the bunkering. There's very deep bunkers. And uh, I guess deep and steep would be implied as well. Like if you uh, if you miss with your approach shots, you can definitely get into some hairy positions around the greens, the, the zoysia grass is really kind of i hate the word thick it's just it's it's lush and so and and it's like kind of like harder grass it's not soft so it's like it's lush and and tougher grass to kind of swing through you have to really swing through it and then the bunkers Mm -hmm. are obviously weird um the course is like 75 7600 yards which is plenty long i think the way it's set up tommy fleetwood said you know It'll take driver out of your hands in some places in the same way that Harbortown does, but it's a little more open off the tee than both Harbortown and Quail Hollow. Like the there's plenty of trees out here, but the trees, I mean, you can miss the fairway and 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 be off the fairway decent mountain. Some trees will get in your way and some won't. So like there's a there's a little bit of Riviera, Tommy thought, like just looking at how the trees line the holes, but the trees won't completely ruin your round. But then again, like Riviera is just like a, one of the best golf courses in the world, and, and this clearly isn't Riviera. So like we were all just guessing together. Um, and Tommy said that that his caddy, uh, Ian Finnis, thought it, it most resembled Spyglass Hill which is one of the courses that is hmm. used during the Pebble Beach Pro-Am um, that is actually very rarely shown during that event. And I think that's probably pretty spot on. It feels like Belle Reve with how damn hot it is and how um, the grass definitely elevates the ball, like the zoysia grass, the ball kind of sits up on it. So it's any mm-hmm. number of those courses that can handle a lot of heat. Um, and the, the trees play a role, but the trees don't play all the role. And, so yeah, again, like not a very definitive answer, but definitely a course that would be unique when it comes to the rest of the PGA Tour. All right, so it sounds like to me, though, from what you're saying, there is some room off the tee, um, you know, as we kind of start to think about who might play well this week. There's some room off the tee that the rough is challenging, but playable. Yeah, definitely challenging, but playable. And, and one of those things where it's like, you know, the ball will probably sit down a little bit in the rough, but if you get a good patch of rough, then you're lucky. If you get a bad patch of rough, then you're maybe looking at bogey. So definitely a little bit of a guessing game. And who's out there so far? You mentioned Tommy Fleetwood, Jan Finnis. You guys had a nice stroll around. Uh, you know, what are some of the other sights and sounds from the course? 
Yeah, I mean, the American delegate was out there without Patrick Reed today. I thought it was so funny. Justin Thomas was wearing red, Colin Morikawa was wearing right, white, and Xander was wearing blue. So you had red, white, and blue all mapped off with the Americans. Uh, it's so funny, this field, because you have those three guys, three of the 10 best players in the world, and then you go all the way down to the last two guys who got in. They're both Indian. Uh, they're both from India. You, They like are not even ranked in the top 300 in the world, but then again, like they're going to play the same amount of golf holes. If Anurban Lahiri gets hot and like he played really well in Kentucky a week ago, he could go out and win it. He's been playing well, yeah. Honorbon's <laughs> he's he's found a little something recently. Yeah, like that. That's what you have these polar opposites within this golf field, and um, I think unlike other sports here in in the Olympics, where you have these clearly defined favorites, you can have underdogs kind of come up and sneak away with it. We didn't have that happen in in 2016 when you had Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson and Matt Kuchar become the uh, I guess the medal winners. Um, but I got, I, I just feel like someone's going to sneak up and do something surprising this week because it's a pretty typical PGA tour course. And like that happens every week on the PGA tour. I mean, we didn't think Cameron champ was going to win this week at the three M open and who is kind of competing with him. Like a whole slew of names that you wouldn't necessarily have predicted. So, um, what else is happening out there? You got the women comp- uh, practicing right now. Like Nasa Hatauka uh, is someone she'd be a favorite, I guess, one of the favorites for the women's event. Gabby Lopez is just like practicing every single day. It's kind of cool to be on the driving range when you've got the Indian delegate over here. You got the Germans in the middle of the driving range by themselves. You look down and there's Gabby Lopez, whose caddy hasn't even arrived yet. She's just practicing by herself and kind of grinding every single day. Um, it feels like the Olympics. It looks like the Olympics. It might not feel like the Olympics when you don't have fans, but it looks like it, like they've got all the dressings up, which is cool. So, yeah. So who is out there? Is it volunteer? Like, are there a lot of volunteers? There's no spectators, correct? And there's just pretty limited coach and like player assistant access, right? Yeah. Extremely limited. I mean, Justin Thomas was out there with his dad, who's his coach and his caddy today. Um, the the volunteers really aren't don't have a view of the golf course they're all kind of like in the media center handling the various like tents that like the clubhouse the players are are visiting they're kind of playing this the role of security there's like there's really nobody out there and that's why it's going to be a little bit weird because (laughs) that's cool yeah it's totally cool it's 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 cool in a way cool that cool for you. I mean, right now, not necessarily cool for the tournament at large, but cool for you wandering around with Tommy Fleetwood in the practice round. Sure. Yeah. The 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 other player in the group was a Spanish golfer named um, Audrey Arnau. He he went to A and M. He's playing on the European Tour right now. He's trying to qualify for Corn Ferry, and um, he was walking up eighteen with me, and we're looking at these bleachers. And obviously these grandstands were kind of erected uh, earlier this summer. And he's, he just is like, are we really not going to have fans? Like, is this, is what they've all been saying the truth? And I'm like, yeah, man, <laughs> they weren't lying to you about it. <laughs> and I just saw his face just like drop. It, it was like, 
It was like he had refused to believe everything that everyone told him about the spectators and thought yeah. maybe late in the game they'll allow people to actually come and watch. But no, it's going to be kind of a little bit of a throwback to last summer on the PGA Tour where there were no fans. There were no spectators when, you know, Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas faced off at uh, the Workday Charity Open and they both hit like ridiculous putts uh, and were both so pumped up and there's no one there to cheer them on. That could totally happen again this week in Japan. And, you know, when they do the medal ceremony on Sunday night, they're, they're going to play the, you know, the national anthem for these countries. But there will be no fans to sing along or cheer along or clap. Like, that will be the weirdest national anthem medal ceremony there probably ever was in the Olympics. Let's talk about a couple of the guys that are not there because so far that has been the storyline as you know, as it was with the Olympics in general, before they started it, it's always the narrative of the problems, how the, the host country is not prepared, etc. But in this case, we've got some weirdness going on. First of all, Bryson, <laughs> Bryson tested positive, um, according to team USA, just before leaving what else do we know about that, if anything? We haven't heard much from Team Bryson, right? No. I mean, he came out with a little bit of a, a statement just being sad about, obviously, what the result is. I was so curious about this because I hadn't really heard from Bryson since the Open. And the guy is clearly kind of going through some stuff with his game, with his with his confidence, with his, his public approach, with his caddy. And I wasn't really sure, like what kind of state he would arrive in when he got here. Like, is he going to stay in the Olympic village? Is he going to dive into that whole scene? Because that's something that a lot of players are diving into. Is he going to stay close to the golf course? I don't know. He just isn't going to come now, which is sad. Um, I was kind of hoping (laughs) your questions will be unanswered. Yeah. I was kind of hoping that, I mean, his type of brash golf could I wanted to see what that would look like on this golf course because you'd think it, it might have a little bit of winged foot play to it. And, uh, yeah, we'll never know. And then, like, truly six hours later, the bomb was dropped that John Rahm had tested positive as well. Like, the Bryson news hit when I was getting on the shuttle to go to the golf course and the John Rahm news hit when I was getting on the shuttle to leave the golf course. And thank goodness the shuttle has Wi-Fi so I could actually write those stories up. But yeah, man, that one hurt even, I think, a little bit more because Patrick Reed wants to be here. He, he's mm-hmm. a top 15 player in the world. Like for him to, to uh, substitute for Bryson isn't a huge deal. But for Jorge, it's incredible. <laughs> it's not just not a huge deal. Having Patrick Reed representing Team USA at the Olympics is, um, I mean, it's 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 fun. It's funny. It's great to have him there performing service for his nation. I wish that Bryson and Patrick Reed could both be there at the same time. But yes, to your point, John Rahm just not being there suddenly is just a bummer. It's just deflating and it also doesn't really make sense. No. Based on nope. him having COVID um just a matter of weeks ago. So I don't know if the is the best theory still 
that he just had residual, you know, COVID, the way people continue to test positive for weeks afterwards. I, I think that's the best theory. What doesn't make sense is that he was just in another country that had COVID restrictions and had required COVID tests for people to enter. Like you had to have, I believe you had to have two tests to get to Scotland in another one once you arrived in Scotland. So he played in the Scottish Open, played very well, played in the Open Championship, played very well, then went back to America. <laughs> you know, like it's not really adding up here. Um, but like I was about to say, like having John Rahm be replaced by Jorge Campillo, Campillo, however you pronounce his last name, that's a drop of about 200 spots in the world ranking. So uh, yeah. the thing that, that we we buzzed over though when you said and got all excited about patrick reed being in this sorry event. i did get excited about patrick reed no you did uh is the fact that patrick reed was technically not the next guy up when it comes to the reserve list so like when the american or when the olympic qualifying period ended they created this reserve list and patrick reed was actually third on the list there was Two people that else that could have who were first and second, Sean. Yeah, Patrick Cantley and Brooks Kepka. So those guys at some point in the last month were asked, "Would you like to be an alternate for the Olympics for uh, Team USA?" They were asked that simply by the United States Olympic Committee, and for one reason or another, I don't know the reasons. I don't know if they had plans, if their caddies had plans if they didn't want to go through it and, and go to the Olympics, whatever Patrick Cantlay and Brooks Kepka both passed on being an alternate. And so we run into this situation now where Bryson DeChambeau has to bail and it could have been Brooks Kepka replacing him. Uh, and I thought that would have been just an amazing, amazing storyline if Brooks got in because Bryson uh, withdrew and Brooks like won a medal or something. I guess Brooks didn't know right he had to say in advance that he was no longer interested in being a correct considered as an alternate yeah. so he wouldn't have known that he was going to replace bryson because you'd think like for you know just for comedic value alone yeah he would have maybe if he done knew it. that bryson was out he might have been all right but he was he was a little busy um twerking at the sports illustrated swimsuit concert so frankly brooks might not have been in a place to want to go to Tokyo anyways. He definitely comes out on top of this exchange. Um, Colin Morikawa is the favorite. He's he's going off around 7-1. to one. Then you have Xander Shoffley, 9-1. to one. Justin Thomas, 10-1. to one. Rory McIlroy has slipped behind all those guys at 11-1. to one. Um, Is there anyone that jumps out at you so far that you're saying, oh, man, I'm excited to watch this guy tackle this golf course? Well... Yeah, I hate to choose like from the big names, but like I, w I would like to see Justin Thomas actually play play like really good, meaningful golf because we we haven't seen him do it since the players when it was like, oh crap, JT might run off and win a couple majors this year. He might win one major this year. He might do something big this year. He's probably the person who would be the most comfortable, I think, right now because. His dad is there. His dad is one of the only family members that will actually be at the golf course this week. Because, again, there's no spectators. There's no family that has been allowed to travel with these athletes unless they were necessary. Now, 
Justin Thomas's dad is necessary. He was out there today. I think JT should feel comfortable, as comfortable as anyone out here. And like the guy, he was actually starting to put some really solid rounds of golf together. He was he was he was on his way looking up during the uh, British Open. He just really tends to sit there in neutral. A very very weird year that's kind of just quietly taking a back seat to Brooks versus Bryson and Rory's chase for the green jacket and Phil Mickelson winning the major. And so, yeah, of course, Colin Morikawa, we want to probably see if he can become player of the year. If he wins this week, something like that. But I'm kind of got my eyes on JT first and foremost. That's the thing about someone like Justin Thomas, someone that falls below the line of Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth. Pretty much everyone else, if they are not playing well, they just go from being a story to not being a story. Yeah, you know, it's not like the the Red Sox or the Yankees or the Knicks, where you know someone's following them regardless. Golf is different in that way. You can just vanish a little bit if you're not contending all the time. And JT's been playing well. He's been putting poorly. <laughs> um, he obviously won the Players Championship. But yeah, it is funny how someone like him drops off our radar a little bit um, until potentially a week like this where he enters as as more one of the favorites. I've got a question for you. Just an opinion I want. You know, walking with Tommy in in Finnis yesterday and then then seeing the caddies out there today. Should the caddies get medals too? Whoa. Because caddies don't get shit. They don't get anything. They might get. I'm mean, sure they get paid. Obviously, their expenses. Do they made. get a stipend? I, I I think they probably don't get paid out by their Olympic committees. Um, that's what I would have to guess because not everyone is always like coaches have not always been, uh, I, I guess paid out for the bonuses of winning um, medals and that. It it hasn't been equal across the board. It all depends on what country you're coming from and how they treat things. Um, But I was just thinking, like, gosh, caddies go a long way to help these guys this week. And uh, Mm -hmm. maybe they aren't deserving of a full medal, but are they deserving of something? What are they deserving of? Oh, definitely. I love this idea. I think you need a medal. You think about all the different medals that are... Sure, give them a little mini medal. But, I mean, I, I think that there should be a lot more mini medals, frankly, given out in these <laughs> Olympic Games anyway. Once you're swimming in your 11th different competition, <laughs> you're traveling the same distance, but you're just doing it a little bit differently. I think those should be mini medals just to begin with. Yeah, the, you got the guy that just rides on the boat in the uh, in the rowing competitions. <laughs> yeah, he gets a medal get? if, if his team wins. So, for sure, I think that, uh, I think that Tokyo 2020 could bronze up a few more what it's only gonna be six more medals for the caddies yeah it's all about inclusion right that's what the olympics are about i think that's a great idea i think that the caddies should absolutely get medals there yeah there are a lot of people that will get medals doing far less than what the caddies will do to uh contribute to their team members this week what have uh what have you been watching most intently for these olympic games I've just been loving it. I mean, people talk about, oh, should we be having these Olympics? I am the target demo (laughs) for why we should be having these Olympics. I was up last night, went to the Seattle Sounders game. Side note, not an Olympic competition, but a local soccer match. Got home, 
um, put on some some volleyball, turned on a little bit of surfing. It's funny, I've realized how many of these competitions that without the announcers, I would have, and like without the scoreboard, I would have literally no idea who's winning, what's <laughs> happening. Taekwondo, how do you score a point in Taekwondo? I would not be able to tell you. Even watching and then watching the scores tick up, it's pretty hard to figure out. Surfing, who knows? Sometimes they go catch a wave and then they kind of they half catch it and then they bail out. It's like a one-on-one surfing competitions in these heats. Um, so, I mean, that's terrific. Volleyball, I do not understand how they ever return. <laughs> well, you're watching, you're watching like men's once, volleyball. Yeah, yeah. I was watching men's volleyball last night. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> woke up. I didn't have an alarm set or anything like that. I just woke up this morning at like 4.30 and couldn't really sleep. So I just turned on Japan versus Canada. The Japanese had an inspired showing um, and took down the Canadian team. I watched some mixed doubles table tennis. Japan just took down China in the gold medal match. China was pretty heavily favored, but Japan uh, came down to the, the seventh game, best of seven series. And Japan jumped out to an eight nil lead. Whoa! Game to eleven. Damn. In the deciding last match, yeah. I just I just sent out a picture of this, but my favorite new niche Olympic guy is the guy that that comes out to uh, you know a guy from the Japanese team was kind of calling for help. It looked like when someone needs a rules official on the PGA Tour. No, he needed the perspiration guy. So the guy that come out with a little towel and wipe wipe some sweat off the uh, the table tennis table. So I've been really leaning into the whole adventure, Sean. Yeah, I'm excited to see a little bit of the some of the the marquee track and field events. I do love those. The swimming, I love the finals. I get lost in the heats a little bit. Oh, so many um, heats. There's so many heats. Um, so yeah, I mean. To answer your question, I've just been watching a lot of Olympics. Yeah, well, one one that you'll end up watching like a week from now, maybe, is uh, the sport climbing. That's that's a one that oh. uh, I've got my eye on, and I think I'll be well. I'll be pretty tired. Uh, I'll be pretty exhausted by the time that arrives. But it's a it's like these people are racing to the top of of a wall and just climbing as fast as they can. Um, and then there's like other aspects of it where they have to climb in certain directions and they have to climb like certain tests that are prescribed that they haven't seen before yeah sport climbing it might be where it's at and then the one that i uh, i learned a lot about was equestrian jumping now mm. i think the horse has a lot to do with it the horse is not getting a medal <laughs> <laughs> i don't think the horse is getting is that a medal. true does the horse not get a medal what were, what was the horse going to do with that medal <laughs> Uh, put it on the mantle in the yeah in, in the, the stable uh, the old manger yeah in the stable yeah. uh i don't think the horses get medals which might be something i'd like to change um but either way equestrian jumping is uh it's pretty fascinating they've got all these like they basically got like a a 3d like kind of analytical looking explanation to all these games so you can find them on youtube and you can you can find mm -hmm. them all over the broadcast and the equestrian jumping one had me absolutely glued to the screen because they, these people are getting bucked off. I mean, the, the gold medal winner in, in Rio 
I think he came back from like a broken neck from a fall during equestrian jumping. Um, Jeez. You know, these, these obstacles that they're jumping over, these horses don't really know what they're doing, <laughs> but the people guiding them are like lifting, lifting them up and slowing them down. It just, they make it look so simple, right? They make it look like it's just like, oh, jump that thing. But it's all there's there's way more behind it, and that's the beauty of the Olympics, that's right? A good point. I think the best the best the horse has not been on YouTube to watch those three D <laughs> explanations of what's going on. That's the tricky part, and they're the main character. The the sports I've learned that are the most fun to watch are the ones that I think you would most like to try with your friends. You know, pe- mm. pending the safety of it all. But like, you know, when I see this guy lining up uh, an arrow in archery. And you just you're, yes. you're looking down the barrel of 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 the arrow, and then this guy looks like you know he looks like you, me, or our cousin who just like showed up there ready to hit a couple tens. Yes, yeah, that's what we're here for when it comes to the Olympics. I did watch a little bit of archery last night. I think it was India versus Korea. I could be wrong about that. But yeah, I mean, I watched a few different sessions of archery and I was thinking for like a a generation raised on the idea of, you know, like Robin Hood Ooh. or watching Game of Thrones or like Legolas. The, the, the archery you see in the Olympics is not quite like that. <laughs> I was thinking that they need to have some moving targets because <laughs> archery is not a great spectator sport at the moment. No. I'm not saying real people should be involved as the moving targets, but I think if there was something in motion and maybe if the people also had to be in motion or maybe the people have to be on horseback, <laughs> kind of combine some of the sports, I think there'd be a lot of potential there. Equestrian archery, um, that I would sign up to yes. watch immediately. Yeah, see, that is more real world <laughs> real world application. If you're starting up you know, a, a, a cavalry of some sorts, who do you want on your side? Also, the other thing, I do have a problem with the talk about i mean people complain about the technology in golf <laughs> the technology in archery has taken all the artistry out of the thing i agree i think to compete in archery not only should you be on horseback <laughs> you should have had to make your own bow and arrow using wood and string or sinew or whatever yeah whatever bows and arrows used to be made out of because it's like firing a gun what these guys are doing yeah seriously it's all like just dialed in and whether or not they look. I didn't know I had archery takes, but I <laughs> feel fired up about this and it's it's just seven in the morning. All right. Well let's let's close with one more take. Um this isn't even really totally a take, but I was walking the grounds of the course yesterday. I was thinking to myself, Oh man, you know what? Everyone complains about why golf is at the Olympics is a seventy two hole individual stroke play event um i've complained Mm -hmm. about it i know you have everyone has because it's like gosh that's no fun that's the thing we do all the time i just think that you would not get the best players in the world to go over to tokyo to in the middle of their season if they're not playing for an individual title i don't think you would um I don't think they would show up mainly because these guys are individuals all the time. This is what they do. This is how they, this is how they have changed their game or they've adapted their game to win 72 hole stroke play individual events. And I just don't think these people very often 
are used to being anything but individuals. Like every, everything about their lives is catered to them being an individual from the caddy to the coach. Everything's about them and their game. And I just don't think that it would mesh well if you all of a sudden needed Justin Thomas and, and Lexi Thompson to be a mixed doubles team. Now, that sucks. I hate that take, but it's true. Like that That's kind of the vibe I get out <laughs> here. And so the thing is, when you look at the, like when you're a media member, you have this this access to like the, the master calendar of whenever the qualifying rounds are, like each day uh, in each event, it's this big graph. And so you see that there's golf on uh, practice rounds on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the actual tournament play and then there's the the gold medal handed out on sunday and then you have another big break before the women play and so if we have if we have 14 days or 17 days essentially where there is where there is an olympics there's two and a half weeks of time here at this olympics we're really not using those two and a half weeks efficiently golf the igf has decided that we're only going to compete on eight of those 17 days, less than half of those days. You look at table tennis, they've got the mixed doubles that you were just watching. They've got the men's two days Mm -hmm. from now. They've got the women's three days from now. Then they've got the team event um, like three or four days after the men's and women's events. Like they are maximizing all the days that they can play table tennis and compete over the course of these 17 days. And so that is my way of saying you can have 60 men and 60 women play the same golf course in the same day. You can host the men and the women at the same exact time on the same exact golf course, hitting the same exact pins, doing so from different tee boxes. And the second week after we hand out our gold medals, should be some form of team event. Like you can have the 72 individual stroke play. And if you want to compete for another gold medal, as you should feel like you want to do, you can do that in the second week. And that's when the doubles event is, or that's when some sort of different event is. Maybe that's a match play event. That doesn't seem like too crazy of a thing for me. You pointed this out earlier, but we've got what, 20 groups playing in threesomes. Yeah. 25 groups in each competition. I mean, there's no reason you couldn't play the men's and women's stroke play tournaments on the same day at the same golf course. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to fall within the Thursday to Sunday uh, traditional location in the week either. So I think, yes, there's lots of possibilities. I'm I'm writing an article about this that will probably come out on Wednesday about how to fix the Olympic golf format. So keep your eye out for that on golf.com. Well, I hope you include my take that I just, I don't think you can avoid the individualism that these pro golfers live their lives with 365 days a year. Do you agree that that's, I think that's a strong point. I totally exists. My only counterpoint was, I mean, look how many dudes didn't show up anyway. So (laughs) you're not getting everyone as it is. But yeah, and uh, and if we're looking for a country to perform well in the, the men's competition this week, kind of like Chile, Joaquin Neiman, Mito Pereira has been playing well. So, you know, they're they're I don't know who the favored. Co- I mean, obviously, the USA is the favored country. They have the three highest favored guys. Yeah. But if you're looking a little bit down the board for someone to sneak into a medal, Canada, that's it. People are talking about Canada. Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes, 
two guys that have played pretty well during major championship season. Can you imagine how often or how big a deal that would be for Canadian golf if they just like you're not winning any majors. Y'all are not winning majors. You're like dipping your toe in the majors water, but then you go and, and you beat like sad Rory <laughs> and tired Morikawa and win a gold medal. Canadian golf fans would love that forever. And the non-response from Dylan to chair means that his recorder has died. Yeah, that's enough for this drop zone. We've reached well past the 50-minute mark. It's time for bed. It's 11.30 here in Tokyo. It's basically Tuesday. Hopefully that means I can get this podcast out to you people from the future before Tuesday even begins. Uh, We'll see you next week.